Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. I feel like it's really easy for us to respond to other things and ignore our book because our book is quiet. Mm. Our book is just waiting on the table for us to come back to it, but our kids who ask us questions aren't. My washer literally buzzes at me. My stove buzzes at me. Things are beeping and buzzing and my phone, if I turn on any sort of notifications, it's buzzing at me and our, our, our books are quiet. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie, homeschooling mama of six and author of The Read Aloud Family and Teaching from Rest. As parents, we're overwhelmed with a lot to do. It feels like every child needs something different. The good news is you are the best person to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. This podcast has been downloaded 7 million times in over 160 countries. So if you want to nurture warm relationships while also raising kids who love to read, you're in good company. We'll help your kids fall in love with books and we'll help you fall in love with homeschooling. Let's get started. When I was a kid, I read voraciously. I could lose myself for hours in stacks and stacks of books. Now, the reading wasn't that high quality, mind you. I could usually be found reading The Babysitter's Club or a historical Christian romance. But I did also love Roald Dahl and Lois Lowry. Anybody else remember the Anastasia Krupnik series? And I liked nonfiction, too. Then I became a mom, and reading felt decadent. I mean, I read books to nurture my marriage or how-to books on parenting. Some of those were far better than others. And I sort of wish my now self could tell my then self to put some of those parenting books back on the shelf and trust my God-given parenting instincts. But anyway, all in all, reading just got harder. It was something I did to become a better mom, a better wife, a better person, something I did to improve myself. Reading for pleasure felt like a splurge, and often it was a splurge I couldn't figure out how to justify and couldn't figure out how to fit into my day. Here's the thing, though. Reading for fun is part of the job. I talked more about this in episode 197, including ways to find time to read for fun in all stages of parenting, because that can feel really hard. But this is something I know my life is richer when I'm reading for pleasure. And my kids' life is richer when I'm reading for pleasure, too, because their reading lives feed off the energy in my own. So that's what I'm hoping we can talk about today, how to nurture your own reading life this summer. And joining me are Read Aloud Revival Community Director Courtney Garrison and Managing Editor Kara Anderson. Hey, Courtney and Kara. Hey there. I'm so excited to chat with you, too. 
Yes, it is going to be good to talk together about reading for the sheer delight of it, not because you should or to get a head start on pre-reading for school or to improve your life, but just because reading is delightful. Summer is such a great time to do this, but there are also other reasons and ways to read this summer. In our Mama Book Clubs, we always offer a choose-your-own-adventure assortment of ways to engage in the Mama Book Club pick, because depending on your season of life, your energy level, a lot of variables, you might need to read for consistency to develop a daily reading habit, inspiration to apply what you're reading to your life as a mother or homeschooler, reflection to let your reading inspire your journaling practice, wisdom to help you make a big decision in your life, And of course, there are many, many other reasons to read. That's true. You know what, though? I find that the thing that gets in the way of me having a great reading life is very often me. I I feel like I don't have the time or maybe, like I said before, reading feels decadent and selfish or, or maybe I don't know what to read next. So maybe we can just break down some of those obstacles in case they're coming up for our listeners, too. Yeah, for me, I think the biggest obstacle feels like I don't have time. There are the 10,000 things that need my attention, and reading can easily fall down the list of important things to do. Yeah, I mean, for me, it'll fall down the list so far because I'll think, well, I'll read after I move the laundry, or I'll read after I clean the kitchen really quick. But we all know what happens when you move the laundry and clean the kitchen really quick. You know, (laughs) someone knocks on the door or a toddler needs help in the bathroom, or someone wakes up from their nap early. I mean, one thing spirals after another. So one thing that's really helped me is knowing that I can just read for 10 minutes. And actually, I will make myself an assignment or a job. This is is the thing that I have to do next, is read for 10 minutes. You can make this 15 minutes, whatever you want it. Um, But don't wait till you have a half an hour or an hour to read, because you probably will never find that magical hour or half an hour there's always something else to do. So a lot of times I will just um, pick a time of day, let's say one o'clock, you could pick any time of day and say at one o'clock, I'm going to read for 10 minutes. Maybe it's after lunch. It doesn't have to be a fixed time. It could also just be a, a part of your rhythm in your day. After lunch, I'm going to read for 10 minutes or 15 minutes before I'm allowed to do anything else. And I mean anything else because I will make those excuses like, well, I'm not doing the laundry. I'm just moving the wet clothes to the dryer. That only <laughs> takes a minute. But again, as soon as we open up our our possibilities for being interrupted, one thing will lead to another. So, you know, wet laundry can wait 10 or 15 minutes while I'm reading. So that idea of like, I'm just going to read for 10 or 15 minutes before I'm allowed to pick up a single dish or pick up those socks that are on the floor or do anything else, that can really, really help me. Yeah, and actually, this kind of goes with that idea of um, allowing yourself to just read in a finite period of time. Um, I find that I read a lot more when I'm carrying my book around with me throughout the day. Or I'm <laughs> oftentimes reading on my Kindle, so that's something I'll bring around too. But the idea of having a book within arm's reach for most of the day might just bring it to mind more often. Or when you have that five minutes while you're waiting for your child to finish up at their sporting event or while you're waiting for, you know, a pot of water to boil or, um, you know, you have five precious minutes where the toddler is not hanging off your leg, (laughs) you could read for a few pages. I recently took all of the social media apps off of my phone, but I realized that I was still sort of reaching for my phone in a sort of tickly, just wanting to do something. And so I put 
Kindle on my phone and my book is now on my phone. So when I get that fidgety feeling, I can fidget towards something that I want to be doing. And I think you have wallpaper on your phone that says read instead. Is that right, Sarah? Yes. And I will put that wallpaper in the show notes because uh, it's just an image that you can put on your own phone. If you want the wallpaper, it'll just remind you when you pick up your phone. Oh yeah, wait, I didn't want it. I didn't want to pick up my phone. I want to be reading because like you said, Courtney, it doesn't even have to be, it's not always conscious. We're just, we just get fiddly. There was a time I took pretty much everything off my phone. I was so frustrated with how um, impulsive my going to my phone was that I, um, everything was disabled or deleted off my phone. And I found I would check the weather on my phone <laughs> compulsively. I mean, I could tell you the weather in like 10 different cities because there was literally nothing else to do on my phone. So this sort of instinct to pick up our phone, we can, if we can replace it. And that, that little reminder on the phone wallpaper really helps me. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I did want to read instead. And so like you said, if you have the Kindle app on your phone, I always prefer to read on my actual Kindle, but if you don't have your Kindle handy, uh, then read it on your phone. That's great. Yeah, that works with audiobooks too. Oh, yeah. Using your audiobook app totally. on your phone. Yes, um, that's right. Even if you have just a few minutes, you can listen to a little bit of an audiobook. Um, and Sarah, it makes me think of when you talk about the, I'm just going to put in the laundry before. And then, oh, I found something in a pocket, so I'm going to go return this to the owner. And, and it's like if you give a mouse a cookie, you know? So <laughs> yep. like if you say, like, I am going to read for 10 minutes no matter what, I think that's that's really, really good because our lives can sort of feel like if you give a mouse a cookie. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's true. <laughs> you know, I want to say one more thing about that, um, about the whole 10 minutes thing, because I think one of the things I've heard uh, people say is that we know that our attention span has shortened, you know? And so you'll think, okay, if I'm going to read for 10 minutes, so you pick up whatever novel it is that you, or book that you wanted to read for 10 minutes. And then you have to stop and go do other things. And when you come back to your book, you can't remember what happened. Right. And I think this is really common. And also you can just give yourself permission to read that same, that same section over again. So we've talked about this before on the podcast that the goal is not to be through the book. It's not to be done with books. Like your goal for reading should not be to be done with the book um, right. so that you're not reading again. It's kind of silly when we even put it that way, but that does tend to be yeah, kind of a true. goal. <laughs> yeah. um, so if your goal isn't just to get done with the book, but to experience the really good language or to encounter the ideas that you're finding, doing that again is great. So right. if you forget what happened, let's say you're reading a, a novel and you read for 10 or 15 minutes and then you didn't get back to your book till that night or the next day. And you think, I don't even know what happened. Just read what you read yesterday again. And you can do that for as many times as you need to. What I think often happens is our ability to hold long form narrative like a book in our mind over a, a sustained period of time increases with practice. So if you've been out of the habit of reading and you're getting most of your reading through your phone, like most of us are, right? Doing, getting most of your information, these bite-sized bits, uh, you can might think something's broken when you can't remember, you know, you can't seem to hold your attention for a novel. There's nothing broken with you. Just keep, you know, keep strengthening that muscle again. Um, that might help too. So anyway, that just came to mind. <laughs> yes, for sure.
Okay, here's another obstacle. And you mentioned this one already, Sarah. Reading feels decadent or selfish. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really struggled with this for a long time because a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, every time you're choosing to pick up a book, you're choosing not to do something else. And you have a lot of things to do that never get all the way done at your house, right? right? right. Like the laundry and the dishes and um, all kinds of chores and uh, responsibilities that come up. But I think if we, we took a second to consider what we want for our kids' reading lives, I know that I want for my kids to read for pleasure. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably also want your kids to read for pleasure. Um, And if we also remember that most of the reading our kids do should happen after they leave our homes as adults, because we only have our kids for a short period of time at the beginning of their lives, and we want them to be active reading adults. Well, the best way to help your kids live an active reading life is to live one yourself to model one yourself. We can model what a joy this can be for our kids. Um, I'm often struck when I look back on baby pictures of my older three who are now 20, 18, and 16, because I don't really remember the mess in the house. I know that the house was messy because we had three small children. (laughs) So I know that fact, (laughs) but I don't remember it, like viscerally remember it. I remember the experiences, you know, I, I don't wish I had spent more time tidying up, but I, I do treasure all the times I spent with my kids. I treasure all the books that I've read all over through these years that have helped to form me and shape me and connect dots and ideas and um, helped me become who the the mother that I want to be for them. Um, our kids won't remember that we, you know, never put the laundry away each night. I mean, my kids will never remember this because I never put the laundry away each night. So <laughs> this is a guarantee. <laughs> But they will remember having a parent who read to them and who enjoyed reading himself or herself. This is making me think of two things, Sarah. The first is that I feel like it's really easy for us to respond to other things and ignore our book because our book is quiet. Mm. Our book is just waiting on the table for us to come back to it. But our kids who ask us questions aren't. My washer literally buzzes at me. My stove buzzes at me. Things are beeping and buzzing and my phone, if I turn on any sort of notifications, it's buzzing at me and Mm -hmm. our, our our books are quiet. And so we sort of have to like retrain ourselves to not just be in this Pavlovian, like, Oh, it buzzed. I have to go do this now. I have to do this now. Um, and then speaking of the, the goal of raising readers this week (laughs) and speaking of messes, (laughs) Um, this week, my kids had a friend over and I noticed, you know, you just don't notice things. And then somebody else is in your house and you're like, Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) There were books everywhere, everywhere. And for a minute I was kind of embarrassed. Like it was, you know, like underpants thrown about, not just (laughs) books, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But it made me realize that if our goal is to raise readers, we need to literally not worry about how that looks like Mm. I want my kids to see me sneaking a few minutes of reading on the porch before dinner or reading the end of a chapter while I stir something on the stove you know yeah Um, yeah (laughs) once upon a time I brought a book to a baseball game an hour and a half away from here because my plan was to read it in the car on the way to the game but I got to the game and it got to this really impossible to put down point (laughs) 
And I ended up at this baseball game reading through the first couple of innings. <laughs> I'm Wait. sure your husband loved this. Were you with your husband? I, I was. I was with my whole family. And there were two men behind us who were not with their whole families. And they were like, what are you reading? You're at a baseball game. Wait, were you at a Cubs game? No. Okay. No. We were at a Milwaukee Brewers game. We went the other direction. Wow. But still, Major League. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I don't don't know. I want to read. I want to encourage people to read everywhere. But if you're at a baseball game, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. But I'm going to tell you the book. And then that might change. Oh, okay. It was Rebecca. Oh, Yes. Okay, so there's a point in that book when things change dramatically, and it was really hard to put it down. So I just, I, and my, my husband was just kind of like, yeah, you know, and I'm like, this is, you knew who I was when you married me, you know? <laughs> you knew what you were getting into. Yeah, I'm the girl with the book. What are you going to do? And then I did put it down, and then I couldn't read on the way home because it was dark. Womp womp. <laughs> it was the longest ride home ever. I highly recommend book uh, Rebecca, by the way. Highly. I have not read Rebecca. Oh my goodness. Okay. 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 Move it move it to the top of the stack. And okay. then don't read it before a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about this obstacle? I don't know what to read. I don't know what to pick next. Because this is like decision fatigue, right? There's a lot of options. Oh yeah. Well, we do have a list, Sarah. You have a list that you made that's wonderful that we can link to in the show notes that are your favorites. Yeah, yeah. They're like separated by different categories, favorite YA or nonfiction or middle grade or I love historical fiction. There's a lot of historical fiction on there. Yeah. I'm in the market for a very good novel, so I might have to go look at the list again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rebecca. <Yes. laughs> have you read Rebecca Courtney? I have not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this idea, I, I think asking yourself, what would it feel like to read something you enjoy so much you would read it through a baseball game is a really good question. <laughs> um, not, I mean, th- like I said at the beginning, when I was doing any reading as a young mother, it I always justified, I loved it reading, that I justified the reading time by making it a self-improvement project, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to help me be a better mom. Right. This is going to help me be a better wife or friend or daughter or child of God, whatever it was. But what would it look like to read or what would it feel like to read something you enjoy so much you just look forward to getting back to it, that you're like angling to find more time to get back to it? Asking that question even like on, in the short term, like what about this summer? Could you pick one que- one book that you have a, a feeling would suck you in? Um, and we have some recommendations. Check out that, that list for sure. We'll put a link in the show notes um, to my very favorites. See if there's something there that might suck you in. And that sort of idea that you might have had as a kid reader where your kids, your parents said you had to turn out the lights and you're like, I just need to read a little bit more. Uh, what would it feel like to have that feeling back for a little bit? That's, oh, that's fun. The best feeling. So there are a million ways to nurture your own reading life. So let's talk about what we're, the three of us are doing this summer, and maybe that will stir up some ideas for for everybody listening. So earlier this year, I finished Middlemarch, a big, fat 19th century novel by George Eliot, and it has been on my, you know, self-improvement list. Not that it's, I mean, it's a novel, but for years, for years and years, like 
longer than I've had children, this has been one of my goals. And every year I think this is the year and it's never happened. <laughs> and it happened this year. So it's a big deal. Yeah. And I started the book on audio because I really wanted to like be just drawn into the world and have a easy, delightful approach to this and not be sort of bogged down. And it was wonderful. I loved it. Except that George Eliot is just like wry and funny and has these like little asides. And I wanted a way to like be able to find him again so I could, you know, relish them some more. That's hard on audio. And yeah. so I I had to get the a hardcover of the book because I needed a way to find these little sayings, these little pithy things that she was saying. And then I was reading, I mean, I was listening and listening. The audiobook is 35 hours long. Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> I mean, I was taking a lot of walks, but that's a lot of walks. Yeah. And so I was I was trying to read my my hardcover book then too. So I would I would go for walks and listen on audio and read in a physical copy. But by the end of the day, like holding that 700 page book, my <laughs> eyes were tired. Like it was just I was not picking it up, you know? It was just there was an obstacle there and the obstacle was my eyes are old and tired. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want to put on glasses and hold this big book. And so I got the book on ebook as well. So now I've got the novel on audio and in hardcover <laughs> and an e-version. And that seemed really kind of ridiculous, <laughs> but that was how I got through the book. So the kind the the way that I was, approaching the book was getting in the way of me really delighting in it. And so because I could I could tailor how I was reading to where I was in my day, I could get through the 700 pages. And it was it's a fabulous book. I I, I find that. that I do that a lot with um I'll borrow the Kindle book say from my library on the Libby app or whatever. And if they have the audio version too, I will grab that so I can go back and forth and there is a little bit of like um, I have to check and look, go back to my audiobook and be like, where am I? Which chapter sure. am I in? So yeah. I can find that in my Kindle. But I find that I get, I, um, I was going to say get through books and that's not the right language, right? Because I, I, I don't I'm know when the to... book is 700 pages long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sometimes you need to get through some. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I don't like, this is, you know, I struggle with long books. We've talked about this before, <laughs> but I think part of it is that long sustained attention, like over right. weeks or months even that I struggle with. And so I like to read one book, like start to finish and then start a new fiction, like, especially if it's fiction, I'm usually reading a couple different books at a time, but there might be one fiction and a nonfiction and a middle grade or something. I guess having it on audio means I can listen to it while I'm on walking the dog or while right. I'm on a walk by myself or while I'm doing the dishes or folding the laundry. And then it also means that exactly like you said, at bedtime, when I really want to be reading on my Kindle, um, I can. And then, you know, maybe you got to throw the hard copy in there too, just so it's like the trifecta. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I love that, Courtney. And I think that you were modeling for your kids how to get through a really beefy big book too, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that's important too. They, that they saw you approaching it from different ways because sometimes the first in the Louise Penny series, the inspector Gamache series, I tried it first on Kindle. I was not getting into it. Then I tried it on audio. I was not getting into it. And then I got a paperback and now I've read, you know, eight or nine or 10 of them or something like hmm. that. But so sometimes that can get in our way. So by yeah 
getting it in different formats that you needed at different points in the whole journey. Cause it sounds like a journey. It was hours long. It's like a work, <laughs> you know, like full-time job. So yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. 35 um, so- hours, man. That's commitment. <laughs> How about you, Kara? How are you nurturing your reading life? You know, I'm back to wandering in the library and oh, that sounds good. I have missed it. <laughs> yeah. I have missed it so much. I've forgotten how much, as much as Sarah McKenzie has told me, and as much as I've told people about the episode of the podcast about putting books face out, I've forgotten what a difference that makes for a 45-year-old person too. <laughs> and yeah. so I am just wandering and back to those days of like the big old book bag and literally anything that looks good. I am just putting it in there um, because we went a couple of years without really having right. that kind of access to our library. So I will get anything, anything. <laughs> and I'll come home and I'll read a few pages. And if it's just terrible, I just put it back in the bag. It's like free shopping. It's the best thing. That's right. um, and then I move on to the next one in the, sta- in the stack. So... We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Um, I've also been really trying to let go of expectations about my reading because last year I got into a reading slump that Mm -hmm. just felt like I wasn't connecting with anything and I couldn't focus on anything. And that's just the worst. And so I was just thinking, I just want light, fluffy, easy things, happy endings type of thing. And so I'm no longer fretting about, you know, if something is teaching me something, (laughs) if it's making me a better person, if it's fancy, you know, I'm, I'm just reading books that appeal to me and I'm reading a ton of them again. So that feels really, really good. Yeah. And I still have a list in my bullet journal where I you know, write down books that I've read and it still gives me a little boost to write down that I read a new book, even if it's uh, just for fun book. 
I love it. I love too that you're nurturing your own reading life by letting it just be relaxed and freeform, kind of. Kind of the way we were as kid readers. Right. Where you were looking through the school library, you just pick something up because the cover of the book looked good. Yeah. And it feels very summery too. That's a very summery vibe to me. Yeah. Just read what you love. I don't do well particularly well with assigned reading. Um, you know, even if I'm assigning it myself, I always worry a little bit when I'm putting a book on my TBR, like, oh, I hope I'm not putting you here to die because <laughs> as soon as I think I should read this, there's this little inner rebel that comes out. I don't know where she comes from, but um, but if definitely if someone else assigns a book to me, I mean, I know Ellen Jacobs, in, who is this, you know, honors English professor at university in one of his books, like the pleasure of reading in an age of distraction. He says that as soon as a book is assigned to him, it becomes as broccoli unto him. (laughs) I I really felt a kindred moment when he said that. Um, So I do, I do pick, I do keep a TBR or to be read list in my bullet journal. And I often go look at it and see if anything there sounds like it might be something I want to read right now. So I might, pick something off of that or kind of like you care, just something that strikes my fancy at a bookstore or the library. Um, We'll see. I do want to, as we're traveling about this summer and doing some different things, going some different places, I'm going to see if I can't visit a local bookstore every place that we go. Um, I love visit. I love visiting different independent bookstores. And I have a personal mission that when I visit an independent bookstore, I always want to leave a little money there, to, you know, just a little something to support the bookshop. Um, and you can actually do that, by the way, on our website as well, or anywhere you see bookshop links, because that's a way you can support your independent bookstores. Um, but I'm going to see if I can't visit a local independent bookstore everywhere I go and pick something that just looks good that I am not necessarily reading because it's been on my TBR or because I have a plan for it, but just, just because it looks good. A lot like you said, Kara. In our family, like on the whole, our read aloud life looks a bit lighter than it does at all the other times of the year in the summer. Everybody's reading on their own, like doing their own independent reading. But my kids are usually playing out in the neighborhood after dinner in the summer. Um, and oftentimes during the school year, that time after dinner is when we're listening to audiobooks. Um, and, you know, we're not going in the car to go to homeschool co-op or extracurricular activities quite as routinely as we are during the school year. So with the routines and schedules being kind of wacky and relaxed. Um, I just don't worry about it too much. So our read aloud life is going to look lighter. And I know that ahead of time. Right. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm sort of reminding that myself that I'm okay with that right, now right. So that I don't panic right. <laughs> in a month when I realize we're not reading aloud as much as we usually do. Um, but I, I am going to keep safeguarding our quiet reading time, our half an hour to an hour of quiet reading time every day. So we all have a reliable time to read for pleasure during the day. I like, especially in the summer, I like to do this in the hottest part of the day when nobody wants to be outside anyway. It would be fun to share the first thing we're reading this summer. Uh, Do you guys know what that's going to be for you? I am planning to read Aggressively Happy by Joy Clarkson. Ah! Um, It was your, your yahooing, Sarah. It was your daughter actually who recommended the book to all three of us. Yes. And I got it from the library and was flipping through it and found the chapter on Pride and Prejudice. And 
started reading that one out of order. It will surprise no one. <laughs> Joy Clarkson has a very um, surprising take on Mr. Darcy. She compares him unfavorably to Mr. Collins. Yes, she does. <laughs> and I was sort of stunned, but I totally believed her. And I think she might be onto something. Mm-hmm. I was I was totally taken with that chapter. But then I started talking about it at dinner with my daughter and she took the book. And so she was reading it. <laughs> so I've only read chapter seven. Um, and I'm I'm in line next to read that. These are the hazards of, ra- of raising reading children. <laughs> uh, yes, the chapter is called Be Like Mr. Collins. And when Whoa. I saw that, I thought, wait, what? It... I just finished it. I just finished reading Aggressively Happy. It is so good. I mean, I think it's probably one of the best, my best reads of this year. Um, I loved it. Joy Clarkson's writing style is just fabulous. Um, Yeah, I think we might have to talk with her, have her on the podcast. I don't know. I, I loved every minute of it. The chapter on stories I thought is absolute gold. So I can't wait to hear what you think of that one. Oh, good. Yeah. When you read it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know what I'm going to read this summer because I read at whim, right? <laughs> because if I tell if I tell you all what I'm going to read this summer, then I'm going to be like, well, not that one now because that <laughs> one's assigned. <laughs> I do know I want to reread The Last Bookshop in London because um, we're reading it with our RAR Premium Mama Book Club. And I am very eager to chat with the author, Madeline Martin, um, when she comes in August. So I will be rereading that one at some point just so I can be all fresh when I chat with Madeline. But I'm not sure what else I'm going to read. Oh, Last Bookshop in London was so good. The three of us have already been like having all these little side conversations about it because we're all excited. But yep, yep. it's going to be fun to talk about it with um, all of our community too. Yeah. yeah. So I have this tradition dating back to like when I was a little kid of reading Nancy Drew in the summer. And I started doing it again after I had kids and there's just something about it. It makes me feel like when I was a little kid, we would play outside all morning and then we'd come in in the afternoon when it started to get really hot and we would have lunch. And then I would read Nancy Drew in front of the fan. And I love mysteries in general, but Nancy Drew books nothing too bad ever happens and everything turns out okay. Yes. So it all feels like, you know, very safe reading. Um, Actually saying that makes me think of the episode uh, that came out a little bit ago on not liking sad or scary stories, which is a must listen if you're a sensitive reader or you have sensitive readers. That's um, episode 202. But me doing this, then my daughter started doing it and so we will both read Nancy Drew during the summer and again you know it's one of those things that I I wonder what would have happened if I would have told her you need to read this book on your third grade you know part of your third grade curriculum or something but instead she saw me reading it and enjoying it and then she wanted to too and now we have like this little Nancy Drew we don't even know it's so funny there's so many of them we don't even know what numbers we're on we don't know what numbers we've read we usually get them from the library so we return them we don't track them very well half the time we end up rereading the same ones again but that's kind of what it's about it's sort of comfort food right now that sounds fabulous I loved Nancy Drew too and when I'm reading a book that I loved as a kid I especially love it if I can find a copy that looks like 
you know, the hardback yellow yes. covers is what right, I'm thinking right. of. That's with what the I'm Nancy thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I might do that. I might read a little Nancy. I have not read Nancy Drew in ages. I might have to do that. And it kind of makes me think like, oh, what other mysteries? I'm not usually a huge mystery reader, but but this summer feels like a good time for mystery. Maybe I'll maybe I'll add a little Agatha Christie too. We'll see. I can't make any promises because if I do, we all know what's going to happen. <laughs> it will become Brussels sprouts. It will become Brussels sprouts, which are far worse than broccoli. I was just going to say, I think I think Brussels sprouts means you're never going to read it. I think it does. <laughs> Okay, so this would not really be a start of summer episode unless we tell everybody what we're up to in RAR Premium this summer. Yes, because if reading and connecting and sharing memories with your kids is high on your priority list this summer, then our lineup is a great way to do that. At RAR, we are celebrating a Patricia McLaughlin summer. (laughs) We're reading and savoring the works of this beloved author who died earlier this year. Ah, I know she's one of your favorites, Sarah. Is that right? Oh, yes. Her writing is so masterful. So something I've noticed about Patricia McLaughlin's writing is that she, her whole writing craft comes from this skill and mastery of a picture book writer. Hmm. Um, so where every single word in a picture book carries its weight, right? That's in, in a in a picture book, you don't have any extra words to spare. So picture book writers tend to be very lyrical and poetic sometimes um, and use you know, sentence variation and just some of the craft of really good writing in a, I don't know what the word is. Um, I want to say condensed, but that's not actually the right word for it, but just in a, what's the word when you have? Distilled. Thank you. Yes. Distilled way. Exactly. So her novel, she has a whole bunch of novels and they are all very, very short. For example, Sarah Plain and Tall Here's my word count nerd coming out. Sorry, everybody. I'm going to show you my word count nerdness. Uh, Sarah Plain and Tall's 8,000 words, 8,300 and some odd words. Uh, an average middle grade novel is around 40 to 60,000 words. So that's how much shorter her novels are than most other books that are written for that same age. But it's it hits I love short novels. I mean, I love a good short novel. So it hits all the beats for me, right? Lyrical, masterful, masterful storytelling in a short story. And a lot of it is uh, historical fiction. So it's just all the yeses. Um, but really, it's amazing to me how immersive and moving Sarah Plain and Tall, what, what Patricia McClaughan can do in 8,000 words is astonishing to me. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes, it is. Each one of those uh, in the Sarah Plain and Tall series is a full story so beautifully done oh and so so many emotions and so many feelings and so I seriously think this is the most excited I've ever been about a season oh wow. um, yeah. just it's just been so good reading all these books together as we've gotten ready for everything so um, we are reading the Sarah Plain and Tall series this summer these are, as Sarah said, short novels. You can read each one in about an hour, or you can listen to the fabulous audiobooks narrated by Glenn Close. Yes, um, that can be a read aloud with a ri- wi- with a wide variety of ages. And then each month, we're reading a picture book and having a live Zoom with the illustrator. 
Now, I knew Patricia McLaughlin as a novelist. I knew Sarah Plain and Tall and that whole series, but I I wasn't as familiar with her picture books. And mm. I love, Sarah, that you said that her picture book, her skill as a picture book writer is really what informs her skill as a novelist. And so it's going to be fabulous, I think, to read them together, to mm. read novels and picture books. So we're going to be meeting with the illustrators of three of Patricia McLaughlin's picture books in June we're reading Prairie Days, illustrated by Misha Archer, who recently won a Caldecott honor. And in July, we're reading The Hundred Year Barn, by illustrated by Kennard Pock, one of our favorite illustrators. He's been at RAR before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in August, we're reading Nora's Chicks, and that's illustrated by Catherine Brown, who we'll get to meet at the end of the summer. A summer of the prairie. We'll get to also enjoy a literary nature study with Cindy West. She's going to teach our six to 14 year olds all about, oh, this is so cool. All about the (laughs) sneaky animals that take up residence in barns. It just ties in so perfect. Everything ties in so perfectly. It's so good. Um, (laughs) I'm getting all fired up. Um, And then she'll lead us through a nature journal page while we're at it. Oh, and we should totally talk about maybe the most anticipated event of the summer. <laughs> I don't know. Sarah, you're going to present teaching literature without a curriculum as part of our RER coaching program. And I know that lots of people are looking forward to sort of setting up the next year of study, maybe without a curriculum. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm um, I'm very excited for this too. So I'm going to basically share the recipe that I use in my own homeschool to teach literature to all ages, all grades without a curriculum from young kids uh, with read alouds all the way up through high school. And really, it's a very simple recipe. And if you're a RER premium member, you see this in action every single month in our family book clubs, because that's what our whole family books club model is based on this, these bones, like this structure, but I'm going to break it down and make those bones really visible to you. Sort of like pull back the curtain so you can see really how this works together. It's been so much fun. I have done this workshop at several great homeschool conventions and gotten some good feedback and been listening to questions coming up. So I'm really looking forward to doing it in our coaching program at RER Premium. And then also we've made this fabulous resource, which is a guide to teaching literature without a curriculum that includes grade level book lists that you can use to implement the method, the recipe that we're going to be talking about, which is very easy and approachable. And then these books that make really good uh, ways in, really good doors into this this mode. Because a lot of times when we think about teaching something without a curriculum, it also feels like, yeah, but I don't have time to add anything else to my plate. Like I don't have time to create something out of scratch. Right. It's really not about adding more to your plate. It's not even about creating your own, you know, literature curriculum. It's about teaching literature to your kids without a curriculum at all. Using these Uh, the pieces of this, the ingredients in this recipe with really good books that will help your kids love reading more at the end of every book they read, Um, which is not honestly how most kids feel after they've read an assigned book for school. So we're going to kind of like flip things on their head. And I am so excited because I think this is a very low pressure approachable method that I keep hearing back from families is just really making a difference in their, in their way that they're encountering books in their homes. So I can't wait. Yeah, that accompanying book list is gold. 
Absolute gold. And speaking of gold, gold <laughs> for the mamas, we are going to read the last bookshop in London because you raved about it, Sarah. And <laughs> then we, we all read it and it was so emotional. Like at one point, <laughs> I was frantically texting Courtney, is everything going to be okay with this? And yeah. And so it's, oh, it's so good. So well done. So warm and cozy. All about reading aloud too. Like it just ties in with everything. Um, And then we will have, so we'll have that as a mama book club and then host an evening with the author, Madeline Martin. It's, oh, it's going to be great. I love, so one of the things we do in preparation for these mama book clubs is the three of us are reading, reading the book and we're using book darts and noting like passages and questions and things that come up because we make our mama book club guide, right? That's this guide that helps, um, helps you have your sort of like choose your own adventure sort of idea of encountering this book in whatever way best suits your own season. So as we've been working on this, I, one of you, I don't remember which one of you it was, y'all just tell me, left a note for the other one saying, oh no, I was using book darts to mark all these passages. And then I got sucked into the story and I forgot to do that for like the last 10 chapters or however many chapters. I don't know how many. It was me. <laughs> I went to add my notes and I didn't have any because I was just totally lost in the story. I was, it was, Kara, yeah. Kara saved the day. <laughs> well, but I will say, so I, it was so good that I ran out of book darts. I bought <laughs> new book darts. I tried to save myself $2 and I made a horrible strategic error. Uh, so we should put a link in the show notes to good book darts because don't buy the cheap, the ones where you get a couple extra for a couple extra dollars. No. <laughs> Did, what, they, what happened? Did they fall apart or what? They fall no, out? No, they're, they're. Uh, they don't want to actually go onto the page. Oh, yeah. That's it's, kind of their, they have one job. <laughs> right, exactly. The quality is just not there. So we'll, we can link to some good book darts. But yeah, we, yeah, we have so much fun, I think, in the process of like, we, we get to have our own like little mini book club yeah, so do. that we can prepare for the big book club. Yeah. And this one has been especially fun, I think. Yes. So you can find all the details for this wonderful summer of reading at rarpremium.com. We would love to have you join us this summer. Sally Clarkson says that community isn't about perfect people or ideal circumstances. It's about taking the stuff of the ordinary and turning it into fellowship. And that's exactly what we do together. That's exactly what we've been talking about here, about delighting in our own reading life. But for now, it's time to let the kids speak. Hi, my name is Lily. I live in Oklahoma. I am seven years old, and my favorite book is Treasures of the Snow. Hi, I'm Isabella. I am 13 years old, and I live in Florida. One of my favorite books to read is A Place to Hang the Moon. It's about these three children who flee from London to the countryside during World War II. They're trying to find a family and a friend. This book is really good for ages six and up. My family's really enjoyed reading it with my two brothers and my mom. Hi, my name's Elijah, and, and I'm six years old, and I live in North Carolina. And my favorite book is The Magician's Nephew because because it is, it has fantasy, magic, and it's adventure. 
Hi, my name is Jedediah. I'm four years old and I live in North Carolina. And my favorite book is Giant Squid because giant squids are my favorite kind of animal. And and um, I I learned in the squid book that they they have squids have sharp fins. On their chest and cups, like teeth. How are you going to nurture your own reading life this summer? Take a moment right now if you can. It'll only take a minute and jot down some ideas. You can do this in a journal, a notebook, or even the notes app on the phone, since I have a feeling you've got it in your hand or close by this moment. <laughs> what are one or two ideas that came to you while listening today that you can implement this summer? We wish you a most marvelous summer of reading and falling back in love with your own reading life. And until next week, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. So many of us feel overwhelmed in our homeschool. There's a lot to do, and it feels like every child needs something a little different. The good news is, you are the best person on the planet to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. I'm Sarah McKenzie. I'm a homeschooling mother of six, the author of Teaching from Rest, and the Read Aloud family, and I'm the host here on the Read Aloud Revival podcast. This podcast has been downloaded over 8 million times. And you know, I think it's because so many of us want the same things. We want our kids to be readers, to love reading. We want our homes to be warm and happy havens of learning and connection. We know that raising our kids is the most important work of our lives. That's kind of overwhelming, right? You are not alone. In Read Aloud Revival Premium, we offer family book clubs, a vibrant community, and Circle with Sarah coaching for you, the homeschooling mom, so you can teach from rest, homeschool with confidence, and raise kids who love to read. Our family book clubs are a game changer for your kids' relationship with books. We provide you with a family book club guide and an opportunity for your kids to meet the author or illustrator live on screen. So all you have to do is get the book, read it with your kids, and make those meaningful and lasting connections. They work for all ages, from your youngest kids to your teens. Every month, our community also gathers online for a circle with Sarah to get ideas and encouragement around creating the homeschooling life you crave. They're the most effective way I know to teach from rest and build a homeschool life you love. We want to help your kids fall in love with books, and we want to help you fall in love with homeschooling. Join us today at rarpremium.com.